Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. This is our PT pearl, and we decided to eat choose piriformis syndrome. Yes. We're choosing piriformis syndrome in particular because via my Instagram, Dr. Jen Fit, um, <laughs> that was actually one that is requested almost the most and has had the most engagement in terms of educational videos that I've posted throughout the last few years. But at least in the last two years, that was one that got a lot of traction and a lot of people wanted to see. So we wanted to dive in on exactly what piriformis syndrome is, why it's so popular. Um, So you want to give a quick synopsis? What's piriformis syndrome? A quick synopsis of piriformis syndrome. This is things you could have an entire weekend, you know, lecture series on. And we're going to do it in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's quick explain it. So piriformis syndrome, I think the piriformis always gets blamed and always gets blamed as this evil culprit because the sciatic nerve, everyone's heard of this sciatic nerve and this mysterious sciatica Mm -hmm. that is another Another (laughs) buzz buzz phrase. We'll go into later. Yeah, a whole other episode right there. But um, the sciatic nerve comes right out underneath the piriformis. And then like roughly 80% of people, it goes courses right underneath the muscle, but in maybe about 22% of people or 20% of people, it's actually pierces through that piriformis. And then what piriformis syndrome means is that we get these symptoms kind of in the back, hip and buttock area that mm-hmm. may course down into our leg and our back of our thigh kind of. And then they say it's because of this piriformis and it's being inflamed or irritated and it's irritating that sciatic nerve that we get these symptoms. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell what (laughs) piriformis syndrome is. How did I do? Yeah, you did good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, (laughs) the piriformis is really like a small little muscle and I don't think we realize and it's not the only muscle responsible for external rotation in the hip but the reason it does again get a lot of traction and blame is because typically in a normal human anatomy structure we're looking at that sciatic nerve either going underneath piercing or somewhere within uh, the piriformis and that's why it gets most of the blame but at the same time other structures can be causing inflammation. Other structures can be causing pushing onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, your piriformis becoming tight and, you know, external rotation through that piriformis becoming overworked is not just from the piriformis. It's such a small muscle. We'll show a little diagram for mm-hmm. the piriformis to, or from the pelvis to the femur, which is your leg bone. And that is what causes that rotation. So if you pull like the back of that pelvis, the back of that, or the top of that femur, and you pull them closer together, that is mm-hmm. external rotation. Your your leg will externally rotate. Okay. But other muscles responsible for that is mm-hmm. quadratus femoris. Uh, that's a big one. Each of your obturator muscles, your external specifically, I think does more so. And then your gemelli, mm-hmm. um, your glutes. So every oh, yeah. single, all three of the glutes, the uh, glute, gluteus medius, <laughs> gluteus uh, minimus, and your glute max. I'm like, wait, do I know my glutes right now? <laughs> you did it. You did it. 
Yeah. So each, each parts of <laughs> like, there's so many more muscles that are involved around the hip when we're talking external rotation that it's yeah. not right to just blame one muscle. Yeah. It's so unjust. <laughs> <laughs> so unjust oh the humanity but that's where we always look at something and we see oh there's the symptoms Mm -hmm. and that guy is right over that nerve and that nerve is what's causing those symptoms that must be the issue yes and then we try to jam into and you know what are the things that we do to treat piriformis syndrome we mash into the piriformis we stretch the crap out of that thing we you know then go and batter it to all oblivion again what are the messages you think we're sending those sciatic nerve, that sciatic nerve? Well, and that's just where we want to bring perspective into. So we told you what piriformis syndrome is, yeah. meaning that it's an inflammation and a compression, right, into that nerve. So it's basically because the piriformis is becoming overworked, there's a compression into that nerve. So now if we're going to go smash onto the piriformis and add more compression on an already compression injury, what are we really doing? So this is where we just want people to start to think a little bit. And this is, if we take it apart very logically, is that really doing what you want it to do? And even if we stretch it, putting a muscle on stretch also adds compression. Yeah, you add tension, you're adding more force into the muscle. And if there's already limited space, what space do you have to take up? Right. So that that muscle, that thing is overstressed and overworked and has extra compression or inflammation or tension for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be detectives here. Let's find out why. Let's find out why that reason that that hip muscle, that piriformis or external rotators in general mm-hmm. might be a little limited. And then we blame the piriformis. Sorry, piriformis again <laughs> for all of humanity. Yeah. In reality, what well, we were looking at a study that said like 0.3 to 6% of low back and hip type cases are piriformis syndrome or classified as piriformis syndrome. So like the piriformis, purely piriformis Yeah. Syndrome. So the piriformis is only the actual culprit 0.3 to 6% of the time, which 6% of back cases is actually like two some million a year, which is still a significant amount. It is, but out of 40 million? Yeah, but out of 40 million I a year. I think it's getting misdiagnosed more. And it's because it's an easier thing to look at. But this is why we also don't like to just look at the diagnosis because all the diagnosis is going to tell us is the symptom. Yes, you are having pain in your glute and you're feeling it go down towards your leg. All we are doing is confirming the symptom. Likely the piriformis. (laughs) But we're doing nothing to actually tell you the cause. And that's why as physical therapists sitting here and bringing you this podcast, it's because we want you to take a closer look at the entire environment. And this is, if something is becoming inflamed, where can inflammation be building up from? I mean, that's when your whole environment really starts to take into course because internally it's what we're eating. And foods that we eat that don't respond well to our body will cause more inflammation. If we're not getting enough sleep, that's going to cause more inflammation. If we're in an environment where we're having a lot of stress and we're not having any moments to learn how to handle and manage that stress well, we're going to cause more chronic inflammation. Uh, Especially if that's a work environment that maybe we're not moving a lot at yeah. or we're sitting chronically yes. in, or we're static in any position for more than more, a few yeah. hours you know that adds to that picture that whole picture and if we're not if we're only training 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 and 
that's inflammation within your muscles. The way you get hypertrophy and build muscle is through inflammation, which is healthy inflammation. But if we're only doing that and we're caught, like that is a chronic state of inflammation as well. If we're not bringing in mobility, Mm -hmm. yoga, breathing, all these other aspects into our body as well and learning how to balance it as a whole. So that's where we really start to look at the entire picture. And then also know that in order for your hips to start taking over in a certain position, what are we walking on? Like, what is our base for support? What are we standing on? We're standing our on our feet. feet. Our feet. <laughs> oh, good job. I think I know this one. <laughs> so if we're standing on our feet, <laughs> if we're moving from our feet, walking on our feet, that has to play a role up the chain into our hips. So we cannot just blame our hips. We have to take a step back and look at the entire picture and actually see, okay, like, how are my feet moving? How are they responding? Yeah. Now up the chain, how are my hips responding to what my feet are doing? Then go up the chain even further. How's my respiratory system, my diaphragm responding to my core pressure? And can I be putting more pressure into my glutes Mm. rather than actually utilizing my hip flexors in the core the way that they should be utilized? And I'm over activating into my external rotators. So it's like, that's why, again, we can't just look at you and be like, oh, you have piriformis syndrome? Do this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so that's why, I mean, even with what you were just talking about, we'll, we'll take you through this little screen on where just in standing, you can kind of go through all the joints top to bottom and see how that affects the hips mm-hmm. and the hip positioning. And then when with walking, being a little more aware when you're walking, you'll understand chronically those loads you're placing through the hips. I love working with athletes because I do something like that. My first session with athletes generally where I take them through just this little body scan at the beginning of our first session and I keep bringing them back there and I say, check yourself, check it. And then everyone kind of does this little scan, but it helps you understand what am I doing to chronically load the joints step after step, day after day, stance after stance to influence the way my muscles and my nervous system is reacting. Right. And we're going to help give you a couple tools to just bring some awareness. Yeah, check the external rotators, but then maybe see feet to the core everywhere throughout the chain, what you're doing that might impact that piriformis. Exactly. And ultimately, we just want you to know, don't attack just one muscle. Um, if a therapist is pressing into that muscle, we do it because we're, we're talking to the nervous system to help promote tension release. We're not breaking yeah. up any tissue. We're not getting into that piriformis to break up the scar tissue that you think is building up in there. Um, nothing like that is actually happening. And if we stretch the muscle, we're help, we're again, help hoping to bring some tension release through the nervous system in that action. But again, if we're just going to help to relieve the tension, it's going to go right back into that tension tightness if we're not doing things to address the entire system. So that's why, yes, look at those areas. Yes, you can do them mindfully, not smashing. Um, Mm -hmm. But you also get to address the rest of your body. Yeah, I think any technique can be a good or a bad technique <laughs> or can be an, a, an optimal technique for you in that moment or yeah. it's all a matter of how you frame it and how you allow your body to respond to that. If we're smashing into muscles and we're causing ourselves to guard and hold our breath or if we're pushing into stretches and not being mindful of where we're compensating to get further, right. being focused on the destination of where we're getting, you know, do that for five hours a day every day of the week. Versus a five or 10 minute 
mindful yeah. positional stretch or being aware of what you're again bringing some awareness to your movement that'll stick we're habitual beings and yeah. doing those manual techniques and stretching and smashing and everything will make a difference because we're influencing that nervous system but what are you then doing consistent consistently outside of that do you get that you know from your chiro from your physio from your massage therapist and then go sit for eight hours yeah because you know, what do you think you'll adapt to at that point so again having some tools having some mindfulness and then sprinkling that in more throughout the day so let's give you a couple tools and this is just a couple tools if you want to actually see it then go to youtube because you can actually see it but we'll do our best to explain it as Absolutely. we go so one of the things that we just want to start to become mindful of and what you want to do hopefully after you're driving or if you just have some time kick off your shoes and what i like to do is just get people aware like just start to feel your feet so without looking down at your feet without like just kind of march your feet out and then wherever they land they land and that's normal for your body positioning now just start to observe without looking like what do i feel in my feet do i feel like i'm putting more pressure to my toes to my heels on the inside of my feet on the outside of my feet what am i feeling do i feel more weight in one foot more than the other this is just your way of increasing this awareness now again we're not saying that posture dictates anything or it's going to lead to pain at all we're just wanting you to become more aware of what your habits already are within your body um, another way that, and then you can look down at your feet. Like, do you have one that's externally rotated more than the other? Because more external rotation of that leg can also put more pressure into the glutes or say one foot is a little bit more externally rotated. Hmm. Now maybe why that's why my hip <laughs> has maybe been putting more pressure. And this is not always, this is not a, a guide to like, oh, this is happening. This is going to, this is going to be your pain. Like not at all. That is not how the body works. No. So what next? How do we explore? <laughs> so in order to explore, um, one of the things I like to do is just going through pronation and supination. So really like, can you even pronate into your feet? Like, can you even pronate? Bro? And can you <laughs> supinate? This is one that we do a lot, right, is, is teaching you how to supinate your feet, which is meaning, so if you're listening to the podcast, that means can I take the inner part of my foot and try to drop it down to the floor? And can I take that inner part away from the floor and rotate my feet out into supination? So can I, without moving the rest of my legs, without moving my heels and my toes, can I go pronation, supination. I should have that mobility within my feet and I should be able to, you can also do that with one foot. So you can go supination, pronation and kind of explore and see what it feels like on a single leg. Um, again, we're going to be showing this a little bit more in on the YouTube. Yeah. The thing I love about this too, is like once you start exploring that and I have such rigid feet, so going into pronation is tough for me to explore and then going into supinate like a absolute king but my pronation is awful so i mean just exploring that but then realizing oh what does that make me want to do through the knee or through the hip well, you know when i pronate i put personally put a lot of pressure through you know the in or i kind of wrote roll my knees in mm -hmm. so i kind of put some pressure on the inside of my knee versus when i'm supinating or trying to lift my arch i kind of roll more towards the outside of my knee so which is normal Totally. And kind of exploring what mm -hmm. happens there and where, so then where you're resting naturally, that where are the knees? What does that mean through the hips? And if I do that daily, does this kind of add up to how my hips and 
back and feed our feeling. Yeah. So explore that. Give that a shot. Um, and we'll be showing more things as we go along for PT pearls and ways to get into your body. All right. So we're so excited to dive into our next guest, Vin Pham, who's another physical therapist. He's Vinny Rehab Online, puts a lot of amazing information out, and is the co-founder of Myodetox. And I'm so excited and honored to have him on. He was one of my early mentors way back in the day when I was still going through PT school. Um, I was actually supposed to be the manager of the LA clinic for Myodetox when it was first going to open. And, you know, our journeys have led to where they are, but we still have incredible support for each other. He was the one who really convinced me to even start educating through Instagram because I was just doing handstands and cool stuff at the time. <laughs> so I, you know, I credit a lot to not only the mentorship that he's provided and the support he's provided for me, but the way that he continues to push the envelope, he continues to learn and the support that he's provided for so many people. So I'm honored to have him in and be able to really dive in with you guys here. So Vin, we're so pumped to have you on today. First, can you just dive in a little bit and tell people about yourself? Yeah. I mean, I've been a physical therapist for like since 2007, so 13 years. And I am the co-founder of this company called Myo Detox, which is our brand of uh, uh, therapy clinics. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I've worked with a lot of people in this world. <laughs> yeah, <Wow>. for sure <laughs> you have. I've been doing it for like... a long time and I've worked with a lot of people. So yeah, um, every, every field you can think of from pro athletes to celebrities to actors to blah, blah, blah. And yeah. yeah you've been doing beat, a lot so. and you've been killing it. You, I mean... You and I met like five years ago, four years ago, something like that. No, longer than that. I think like, yeah, six, seven years. Really? Yeah. I, like a long oh, time. Gosh. It's been a while. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I hadn't graduated yet. And I, but I loved, you know, just your idea behind what you were putting out because it was different than what we were necessarily learning in school. And it wasn't mm -hmm. just like, oh, here's this symptom that people are having here's how you test and make sure that this is the correct you know musculoskeletal diagnosis of impingement or rotator or whatever it might directly be for that symptom and here's what you do for that area it was more like you know you were opening the doors to no the body works as one and it was something that i was kind of craving and had felt even as like being a pilates instructor and stuff and so really gravitated toward what you were creating we just want to know a little bit, like, did you start in a traditional clinic as a therapist? And then what made you kind of go off to your own thing? So in 2007 to 2009, I spent two years working at the hospital. So I was, I was doing like uh, inpatient uh, and outpatient. I was doing like post-op knee surgeries, post-op hip surgeries, uh, the rehab for that. I was doing, I was on the cardiac floor. I was on the med medical uh, medicine floor. I was, I kind of did the whole rounds. Um, and also, I was doing a lot of outpatient work there as well at the Jewish General Hospital in Montreal. Shout out Canada one time. <laughs> yeah. And then in the hospital, it was kind of, I, I kind of felt like, you know, there was more for me than, than the hospital work because hospital work was very just one dimensional in the way of, uh, you know, people, obviously I'm helping them out a lot, but like the, you kind of get into this routine where you're seeing the same cases over and over and over and you don't necessarily get to like expand your mind. You know, mm -hmm. um, and have you worked in the hospital before, Jen? Only for clinical rounds. Dom did a little bit more 
Yeah, I did, I did some I did some travel work, so I got I mean, which I'm very glad I did and fortunate because I got to work in like seven different settings right out of school and test out some different hospitals and skilled nursing facilities. So like you said, I mean, not something that would have floated my boat for long, but learned a lot while I was doing it. Totally, totally. Um, and then after after that, I did uh, a couple of years in private. Uh, I moved to Toronto and I was, I spent like 2009 to 2011 working for other people. And then basically in that process, I was working for this mill type of clinic where mm-hmm. I was seeing like 30 to 40 patients mm-hmm. a day. And I was basically kind of like, hey, 15 minutes on the hot pack, 15 minutes on the ultrasound machine, 15 minutes on spinal traction machine. Here's like a hamstring stretch. See you later. Yeah. And I was I like rinse, repeat like that for two years. And I literally thought like my brain was melting <laughs> like yeah. during that period of time. I hated it so much because number one, like, I didn't feel like what I gave them was enough. That's one. Number two, I didn't feel like ultrasound or any of these like modalities actually worked. And yeah, it was just like a really depressing time, to be honest with you. Like, um, yes, we were seeing a lot of patients. Yes, we're, uh, you know, I was making a ton of money back then, but it just, I wasn't happy because I never felt like people were actually getting better. And I wasn't again growing, you know, because it just kept being so like routine and mundane. So in that process of like, you know, treating the way that like, the clinic owner where I worked at, like, was just very like, you know, and the rest of the world was very just like, hey, listen, the knee hurts, then like strengthen the knee, you know, mm-hmm. or like, you know, or like rub the knee or I don't know, like, uh, I'll just sound the knee, the patel attendant or whatever. And I just never it, like understood why people kept doing it when it just didn't work. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, yeah. And to me, like the way, you know, just for, for you to kind of set the the outlook or like the background on me, it's like I the way that I operate is like if it works, I like it. I keep it. If it doesn't work, I don't care who who vouches for it. I don't care who whatever. Like if it doesn't work, I just don't use it, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of times, you know, um, and we'll get into this maybe uh, later on w- when it comes to like research and all that stuff. But like, you know, a lot of times the trend of physical therapy will go towards, hey, listen, Hey, you want to like fix back pain? Everyone does transversus abdominis exercises, yeah. you know? It's yeah. all about this, all about that. And then you spend two, three years doing that. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, actually, the research says now that that doesn't work. It was actually not that. And instead of me like ever following trends, I just kind of like tested out every theory out there and I just kept what worked and then threw away what didn't work in, in my practice, you know? So, right. And that's kind of how my treatment style became like, hey, listen, I realize if you look at the whole body, you can actually truly look at this, like figure out the source of your issue and help the client. For sure. And you then went off and did your own clients from there. Yes. So I was working at the clinic and then I was like, hey, listen, like I need to get out. So I made up an excuse. I quit my job and then I ended up working out of my condo uh, Mm -hmm. in this place called Scarborough. East Toronto, which is super ghetto. Um, and I was literally seeing p- patients out of my living room. And I literally built a following, I would say, of like a couple hundred people in Scarborough. And for two years straight, I was seeing like, yeah, seven to 10 patients a day in my living room with uh, on the floor sometimes. Like I had a treatment table later on. And yeah, and I literally built a huge business out of that. Yeah, I was fully stacked. And in, in that process of doing that for two years, that's when I started really fine-tuning my thinking, fine-tuning my skills. Um, and yeah, just looking at the body very differently and not having like overhead to worry about. So I didn't have to like 
try to sell clients on more sessions if they need, need it. I didn't have to like really operate with any factors on the outside, you know, affecting my work. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. You know, you take this time to go in and, and hone in your process and actually start working with the people and, and getting those reps in to, to hone in. And I love how you say, you know, I just like to experience all the different things. And yeah, the research is great, but research changes. So as I notice what works in my process for the people that come to me, you started integrating that. I'm guessing this is kind of where it starts to transition into the life of myo detox. But what I want to hear a little bit about is what were some of those things in that process that were working for you that you started to add in and did you have any like major mentors during that time that helped you kind of explore deeper into the body absolutely so like when i started being independent of my condo i spent eight months just figuring out trigger points so i opened this book called travel and simmons and i literally would have patients come in and i literally would poke and prod at every x <laughs> like, yeah. you know, in, in the trigger point pictures, you know, where there's an X and there's a bunch of red, I would just literally press every single point. And with my patients who obviously shout out to them, they, my early experimental patients <laughs> that sacrificed their body for science, um, <laughs> they, uh, they really helped me kind of like understand like, um, you know, in, in that period of time, in that eight months, like trigger points. And then understanding trigger points, you start realizing, hey, if you open up a trigger point over here, it affects something further down the line or up the chain or down the chain. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I went to train with Thomas Myers, the guy who wrote Anatomy Trains, amazing massage therapist, one of my greatest idols. I trained with him in Maine. And then in that process, he kind of took all my initial thoughts, but like basically like he had it already figured out like further down the line. Right. And he involved, you know, besides he's like, hey, listen, yeah, trigger points are great, but you got to look at it as fascial lines. You got to look at it like the whole body. He introduced me to the fascial system, introduced me to like his way of doing myofascial glides. And yeah, he kind of gave me a really complete idea of like posture from a, from a fascial point of view. Yeah. And that was definitely the beginning of the creation, I guess, of my style. And then I started training with so many other mentors. I mean, I can go as deep as you want me to go with the mentors, but <laughs> he was one of the first ones, I'd say. That's awesome. So, so where was Myo Detox born and why call it Myo Detox? So the funny stories of Myo Detox is like people think it's this huge elaborate thing, but like <laughs> literally I was just like reading an article again when I started this as a trigger point, a trigger point style of treatment, I guess. I was reading this article on trigger points and we're saying, hey, listen, it's kind of like you're opening an area, you're detoxifying an area that is toxic, condensed with toxins. There's no toxins in the body that I'm releasing, quote unquote. But that's kind of like was the thinking of that article. And I was like, oh, hey, it's kind of like, you know, you're doing like a muscle detox, mm. you know. And in that process, I remember going to Kevin, who is Kevin Marichaud, which is one of our uh, chiropractors with Mayo. Uh, I used to work with him at this other clinic. And then I was like, hey, Kevin, like, do you think it should be like called muscle detox or myo detox and myo meaning muscle in Greek? And then he's like, yo, myo detox, hands down. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I'll just call it myo detox. Initially, myo detox was actually a technique. It was kind of like ART, the mm -hmm. way that I named it. It wasn't necessary to be called. Uh, my clinics weren't supposed to be called myo detox. It was just going to be myo detox, the technique. But in that process, it became a way of thinking. And then as it grew, it evolved into the clinics. So. That's amazing. Okay, but you, a physical therapist, going mm -hmm. to Kevin, a chiropractor. So yep. how has this transformed 
your clinics in terms of, because I, I mean, I know, <laughs> but I think yeah, other people get to hear who works in the clinics and how this works with all these different clinicians under one roof. Well, I think this is my idealistic side and how I view the world is like, I believe that like, we're all human and we're all equal and literally like no one is better than someone else. That's literally how I operate and live my life. So from that point of view, you know, I noticed that in our industry, it was always, you know, the hierarchy with therapists was always like, hey, physical therapist is better than Cairo and Cairo is better than massage therapist and then blah, 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 you know? Yeah. And I worked in environments where like people would not talk to other people if it was like multidisciplinary or like it was like, it was just like a weird environment that I didn't want to be in. And also like, I never understood why people would think that one profession is better than another profession. To me, it's like, you know, I respect all professions. And I think that every profession has their value to give to the patient, Mm -hmm. you know, so I just wanted to create a space where like, you know, we respected everyone, physical therapist, chiro or massage the same way. And then, you know, that's why we hire all those types of professions. Yeah. It's just like, why can't we be friends? <laughs> you know? It really comes down to that. Why can't we be friends? You know, like I'm traditionally trained as a physical therapist and I spent more time with the muscles and the movement and you're a chiro and you spend more time with bones and adjustment and alignments and, and stuff like that. So like, you know, why can't we be friends? Like, why can't I learn from you and you learn from me? You know, yeah. why does it have to be like a battle? Why, why do I have to think that my style is superior to your style? You know, it's just time and place for everything, you know? And again, same thing with massage therapists, you know, just because they spend more time with soft tissue work, why are they less respected? Like, I don't think they should be, you know, they just took a different path with their education and their learnings. So totally. But when yeah. a when a client comes in, like most clinics that are multidisciplinary like this, it's like, okay, you see the massage therapist, then you see a chiropractor, then you see a physical therapist, or how is your clinic working that's different than that? Well, this is for the Canadian model, because in the US model, we do not hire massage therapists currently because the training is just not as intense as in Canada. So mm-hmm. just for perspective, like in Canada, a massage therapist is trained for minimum two years. And in, in the States, in some states, it's like three months for the training. So that's why currently we don't have a model in, in the US. For example, in our West Hollywood clinic, we currently don't hire massage therapists yet. Mm-hmm. It comes down to this. Everyone's kind of moving towards this movement manual therapy way of doing things and you know even from personal trainers to chiros to physical therapists everyone's kind of moving towards that gray area and i feel like you know if you want to be a fully trained therapist you should be able to do essentially manual therapy and movement and it doesn't matter if you're a chiro or a physical therapist you know yeah so it's kind of like you know mixed martial arts for example let's say you 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 know you're a boxer and then this other chiro is a a a jujitsu guy a ground specialist like, just because like, we both fight differently doesn't mean we can't learn from each other. And in order to be a complete fighter, we should actually be able to do both. Does that make sense? 100%. Be able to fight with our hands and be able to fight on the ground. You know, am I making sense, Jen? Or am I kind of going in a, in a yeah. circle? I could, like, make no, it no, no, you're making sense. And I like one of the things I appreciated too, when I first went to SFMA, which is just a certification for clinicians, they yeah. had a chiropractor, a physical therapist, and an ATC, an athletic trainer, teaching together. And they said, if you're a good clinician, you cannot tell the difference between a PT and a chiro. Yeah, exactly. You should not be able to tell a difference because 
it's just, you know, we just started off with different foundations, but the end result of a good physical therapist and the end result of a good chiro, they all do the same thing, you know, to be quite honest, in my opinion, anyways. No, I, I love the fighter analogy that you just used. And just in general, just how you speak in a way that's like, okay, we're all going to have different ideas of how this is affecting underlying physiology or what techniques we use. But when you just expand your grab bag and expertise in, in different areas, I mean, you're opening up your toolbox. And, and I, I really much so appreciate that. I, I've, since I came into PT, I started hearing about all these turf battles. And I'm like, what kind of turf are we fighting over? Like, there's enough people in the world that need all of our help that we should just focus more so on improving our skills than trying to tear down other professions. So I really appreciate that approach that you use there. So when you talk about someone coming into myodetox, can you just kind of outline the exact process you would take a, a single client through? Yeah, I mean, it's fairly simple. We just do an assessment, whether it's like a postural assessment or movement assessment. And then based on the, those things, we kind of just make a plan on like how to get them from point A to point B, whether it's their point B is pain free, or their point B is like be able to dunk or be able to play sports without pain, you know, whatever it is, their point B and end destination is, we just create a plan to get them there. And in terms of like, what is actual the components of the session, it's literally just manual therapy to help move them move better and then teach them how to move better and give them exercises to strengthen or move better. Yeah. It's not like revolutionary. Actually, it's actually to the point, <laughs> like to totally. be quite honest with you, you know, it's just the hard part of all this. It's just obviously to be able to diagnose properly and be able to give the right exercises and motivate the client to do the work. Yeah. So I love also, you know, myself, I love using the, a little bit of the manual and then movement approach. So what makes the way you do it at Mayo different? I mean, is there a certain sequence that you take people through in their movement? I know you mentioned the point A, point B. So, you know, knowing where their point B is, how do you then take them through that movement bit? And why is the manual thing important up front? I mean, if you can speak a little bit to what the manual does to the person in the system that might benefit that movement. Well, I always look at any problem like this. Let's say, for example, they don't have, uh, you know, ankle dorsiflexion, right? So why don't they have ankle dorsiflexion, right? So you look at it, okay, their ankle can't move well. Is it the fascial system that's like stopping them from going into like a, a full deep squat? Is it a joint issue, right? Is it, is it their talus bone is like jammed up? Is it because their calf muscle is too tight? Is it because they don't have the strength to go down that low? Is it because they're fearful because in the past they've done it and they hurt themselves? Is it because, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then yeah. literally, it's just, I look at it like that. It's like, why can't they do what they want to do? What's stopping them? And for example, in that, like going into a deep squat. And based on that, it's like, if it's a fascial thing, then you do manual therapy stuff. If it's like a muscle thing, then you get them to do a calf stretch properly. If it's like the ankle joint that's locked up, you get them to like, you know, mold their talus joint. Yeah. If it's you know, strengthening, you teach them exercise to strengthen their ankle. Again, the hardest problem is figuring out what is the issue or sometimes it's a combination of all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really that simple to me. It's like a patient comes in and then based on, you know, whatever it is that they're experiencing, what is the top, let's say three things that you need to work on in order to help them improve and then keep, just keep building on that, you know? Totally. Uh, it's very like to the point how I go about doing therapy you know and even to even simplify it more it's like how do you get that area to move mm -hmm. what's not moving and what's moving too much that's it so if you can reduce 
the thing that's moving too much and increase the movement in an area that doesn't move enough, you literally fix anything, really. You know? Yeah. And I think what's cool about your guys' clinic is that, again, no matter who you see, whether it's a chiropractor or a physical therapist or in Canada, a massage therapist as well, there's kind of a, a screening process that everyone does so that you don't feel like, oh, well, I wanted to go to the Cairo. You, you know, you feel like you're taken care of from a family that all kind of guides the body together, even though I'm sure different clinicians, you know, they each see little things a little differently. But at the same time, there's like this one screening process. And what I also appreciate, even though a lot of people can say, oh, it's not postural or whatever, you provide education in that way by seeing it and showing it to the client. And I think that's what becomes so empowering to the individual who's coming in or your clients is because you guys create the system that creates that empowerment. Of course, it's all about empowering the client. It's not about people tend to think that because we do manual therapy that we want people to keep staying at our clinics on repeat, but like, no, not really unless they want to come back for maintenance. But like, mm -hmm. if their maintenance is not important to them, like, I'm trying to get you in and out of the clinic as fast as I can, you know, yeah. and that comes with empowering you to do the homework at home and empowering you to like, learn how to do self releases at home, blah, blah, blah. Everything about like mild detox has always been about educating people on how to fix and maintain their own body. Yeah. And in order for them to move better and feel better, you know, yeah, that's the goal of what we do. It's like educating people. I'm a big fan of that because I think that that's a therapy style that comes from an abundance mindset in that I've always said that the best physical therapists and chiros are actually like bad business people because their people are in and out in minimal sessions, right? Mm. But in reality, I think that's what stimulates this understanding that, hey, I go to those guys and I learn and I get empowered and I find independence, right? And I think that that's very much so a strong thing and a confident thing as a, as a therapist or as a business to be able to say that, hey, we want you here as few times as possible because then we know that you're going to come back and you're going to send your friends here and help them understand that there's a different way of doing things that helps you become independent. And so I really appreciate that about you guys. Of course. And actually, like the only thing I'll slightly disagree with you, Dom, but I'm actually kind of saying the same thing is like, you know, I actually think it's good business because totally. the better you are at your job and the faster you get them to from point A to point B, the more they're going to tell their whole family and friends mm -hmm. that, yeah. hey, these guys care a lot. These guys teach me everything. And on top of that, like they do good work. Yeah, you know? I totally um, agree with you there. And that's yeah. where like what I initially said, I think is what I heard from other people when I was course, talking about exactly, stuff like exactly. that. Yeah. You know, my whole like why is just what you said. I love empowering people to independence. And that's right. Say so right now, you know, we're kind of in an interesting scenario where a lot of people are seeking out information on their own. And I know you guys put out a ton of information, but what would you just recommend to somebody listening? Like, hey, here's a few things you can do at home to start to explore and to start to educate yourself in your own body. I mean, definitely just follow Doc Genfit. There's there's nothing else to do, really. <laughs> oh, shit, <thanks>. Interview <laughs> done. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's all you need to do, and you're good. There you go. See, that, that was my one, one, one tip to learn about your body. Jokes aside, if you're either like a regular person who wants to learn about it or you're a practitioner or a therapist that wants to learn more about the body, there's literally so many things I can go into. But I say right off the bat, when it comes to like an easy book, I think Kelly Starrett's book, Supple Leopard is amazing mm -hmm. on how to like, you know, just do self maintenance work, especially for yeah, just anybody in general. It's a great book to read. 
for real, for real, um, you know, all the Instagram accounts that are, are good, such as Jen, myself, Move You, you know, Joe Therapy, all these guys that are doing great work out there. So, you know, that's, that's another easy way to consume kind of like taking care of your body information. Yeah. And when it comes to like therapists, what they should be reading based on my recommendations is, man, I can go in so many directions. It depends on what you want to learn, you know. My mentors personally, you know, Thomas Myers, Anatomy Trains, Gary Ward, What the Foot, Great Institute. I haven't trained with them, but I've been um, around a lot of people who have done Great Institute. So I kind of like absorbed a lot of it. Yeah. My current obsession is Shirley Sarman. Like I've read her work before in the past, but like I haven't had time to dive deep into it as much as I am diving deep into it now. And it's funny because a lot of the way that she thinks is kind of like a a future version of myself. I had a general idea of how to do manual therapy, but then Thomas Myers really like showed me like the 95% I was missing. Mm-hmm. I think with Shirley Sarman, when it comes to alignment, posture work, you know, corrective exercise, she figured it all out. And I'm just like, oh my God, like everything I was thinking, but like on a much smaller scale, like she figured it out on a larger scale. Like, so yeah. those are my current reads, so. And if someone was, you know, I think especially when there's a lot of home stuff happening and people are at home and getting stressed, are there like a couple takeaways that you can give people in terms of if they have a foam roller or if they just want to start kind of moving out of back pain? What are some of your recommendations? The one that I'm starting to become known for because I've been saying it a lot on multiple podcasts is (laughs) foam roller stomach. You know, foam roller stomach. It's amazing for you. Um, my reasoning why behind that is like, you know, if you have a compressed stomach, you know, you're sitting down all day like that, you know, you want to open up that area because that's going to help free up your rib cage, which in turn is going to help t- free up your thoracic spine, which is your T-spine, your mid-back. And, you know, if your stomach tissue is tight, literally like everything just gets pulled forward. You can't raise your shoulders as high. You can't move your neck as well. And that's going to cause all these issues, especially if you guys are listening right now, you guys have been sitting at home in quarantine, self-isolation for like the last three weeks. (laughs) Foam rolling your stomach will help a lot. And another thing is they'll say they have like an easy hack for back pain is uh, opening up your hips as well. So any hip stretches or, you know, foam rolling your glute med, great, great stuff you can do. Yeah, that's awesome. I usually recommend like rolling up a, a yoga mat or a thick towel and putting it on the stomach area as well under the rib cage kind of filling all those areas and and it just helps like you start breathing into these areas that no one usually touches like that's what I love and appreciate about my detox too it's like when people go and get a massage and they think oh my back hurts the only place they want people to focus on is the back right (laughs) and people completely neglect the front yeah it's so weird for me that people don't understand that like there's muscles in the front of your body as well. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, why do all massage therapists traditionally get trained only on treating the back of the body? Like, yeah. even like, for example, like the tibias, like Timant, like the shin muscles, like not a lot of massage therapists know how to open up the shin, which is like interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are some amazing takeaways. And like you said, there's always so much information online and so much stuff that you've put out. So if somebody is trying to look for some of that information, where can they find more of the stuff you put out? Um, they can find me on Instagram, which is currently the only uh, social media I'm on. Vinny Rehab, V-I-N-N-I-E-R-E-H-A-B. I haven't done TikTok yet because 
you know, I, I don't know if, I don't know if my hips can handle all these dance moves, you know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I don't know if the world can handle all these dance that's, moves. Oh, that's probably the truth. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And yeah, and also you can find my team on at myodetox.com, M-Y-O-D-E-T-O-X.com. And if people want to go in the clinic and experience this, where are your guys' clinics right now? Currently, we have 11 clinics, um, six in Vancouver, four in Toronto, and one in West Hollywood, LA. Woo! Mm-hmm. So come check us out. Our team of therapists are amazing, and I love them all. And yes. Yeah. And I've met many, many of them, and I can contest to that. I think that you got an incredible team very open and eager people to continue learning and continue exploring. So I think what you've done, Vinny, and what you continue to do, I'm just so impressed. And I wish that people, you know, would get to know you on a deeper level than just what they presume sometimes on social media, because you have a really big mission and you continue to focus back on that mission, which is helping people. And you just continue to learn. You continue to impress me. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you, Jen, for the opportunity to be on this podcast. And the same can be said about you. You know, I feel like, you know, even seeing your growth since I've known you is like insane, you know, like uh, to to go into like becoming a full on like internet mogul, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you had a lot to do. I always say that people are like, what made you go from like handstands to education? I'm like, well, this guy Vinny Rehab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I always I remember telling you I was like, yes. "Yeah, you're so much more than handsteads, Jen. Come on." Like, <laughs> Is there though? Is there? <laughs> <laughs> Dom, you know better than us. I don't know. You know, you I'm working, man. I'm, I've been getting upside down like three, four, five minutes a day since we've been in quarantine. So, <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, well, thank you to you both, and I appreciate you guys. And like, you know, hopefully we'll get to do this more. Yeah, and we can go deeper on a topic next time. Exactly. Thanks, Ben. No worries. Thank you so much for listening to us on the Optimal Body Podcast, where we're going to continue to bring you the PT pearls and guests that will help you find your optimal body. Now, head over to wherever you listen to this and leave us an honest review and head to docgenfit.com backslash podcast where you can find all the show notes. Don't forget that we're going to give away a free month to someone who subscribes, leaves us an awesome review, and lets us know what they want to review on the next PT Pearl. So we'll be choosing that once a week to get into a free month of the Optimal Body Membership.